Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. We are so excited to talk to you about all things related to church music here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Now, each week we will break down a hymn. It could be an old favorite, or it could be one you've never heard of. But it is our prayer that you will worship with us no matter what song it is. So let's get started here on Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly. I'm Carrie. And, and we're, we're identical, identical twins. twins. This is another episode of Hymn Talk, Twin Talk. And we are so excited to have you here. Yeah, thanks for listening. We hope that you are just singing along with our hymns. Yes. We have a great hymn for you today. And it's another listener-generated hymn. Yeah. So this came from two of our favorite people. Yep. Right, Carrie? Yep. They outside are, of our parents. Outside of our parents. This is Mr. and Mrs. Walls. Yep. And we they, love them. They love hymns. They love church music. And they have been churchgoers their whole life. Right, right. They have worked in the church. They've done music mm-hmm. in the church. They both sing in our choir when we have choir. Right. They're very musical. They love the Lord. And we love talking to them about hymns. Yep. And I bet you if we asked them for more requests, they would have, you know, right. they would have a request a week. <laughs> so this came from the walls. Yeah. Thank you, you guys. Thanks, you guys. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to announce it? Yeah, let's tell everybody what it is. I mean, people might have figured it out already. It's an oldie. It's a goodie. It's one that people, you know, are just drawn to. Mm-hmm. It's it, it. I think it's near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And honestly, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's All right. tell them. Let's tell them. What, what a, a friend, friend we, we have in Jesus. Mm. Hopefully you're cheering. Yes. What a friend we have in Jesus. I mean, I can remember singing this as a child. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Yeah. Me too. And you know what's funny? It's old. It's in the same kind of time period as as some of the other hymns that we've done. Right. But this one really follows the form of a hymn. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no chorus. There's no mm-hmm. refrain. There's three completely separate verses. Right. There are there are some lines that repeat. Yeah, which, lots of repetition. Which is really nice. It helps with memorization. Mm-hmm. You know, it helps get you familiar to the hymn. And the title, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, is only said, sung once. Right, just at that opening line. Right. What and, a friend we have in Jesus. And you might look at it and go, oh, this is about Jesus being a good friend. But really... The theme in this hymn is really about prayer. Oh, for sure. It's and take it to the Lord in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. Right. Yeah. In fact, as a poem, originally, it right. was written with the title, Pray Without Ceasing. Which I love that. Which when you think of it as a poem and you think of everything is about praying without ceasing, like yeah. I think it just works so perfectly. Yeah. But as a song, I don't know, it's so embedded in my brain to be what a friend we have in Jesus. Right. I can't. Right. Picture it being called Pray Without Ceasing. I mean, I would say that as soon as we said those words, the tune was in people's head. Mm-hmm. You know, do, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, people just heard it right away. What a friend we have in Jesus. A very, you know, just a flowing mm-hmm. melody of like ups and downs, mm-hmm. sort of like these hills and valleys, but very flowing. Yeah. And if you were talking about a hymn that is easy to sing mm-hmm. or you know this is one of those yeah. it doesn't it doesn't have anything weird about nope. it yep. all right so why don't i read the words okay i'll play the piano right so you'll hear the words and you'll hear the music and hopefully yeah. it'll be familiar to you okay all right this is what a friend we have in jesus what a friend we have in jesus all our sins and griefs to bear what a privilege to carry everything to god in prayer oh what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear. 
all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou wilt find a solace there. So that that was originally a poem. Speaking it, it kind of felt like a poem, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of good things in there. There's also a couple of archaic words, right. you know, and that kind of gives you the hint that it's it's old. You know, the last line, thou wilt find right. a solace there. I mean, right. we don't say wilt. Right. So that would just be you, you will, will find a solace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then also in that third verse, cumbered with a load of care, yeah. burdened cumbered. and heavy. Yeah. Right. And I mean, I so I totally remember singing this as a kid. You do too. Yeah, for sure. I remember that we would like joke around that this hymn was for you. It was totally for me. For Carrie. So we, we actually, I believe, would fight on fight over it. Yeah. I can picture us in the pew at church yeah. going, this is my song. No, and no, it's not say, yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. It's everyone's. <laughs> but when it says... What a privilege to carry. Yeah, to carry, to me. <laughs> so it's only a privilege for me. Right. Everybody else, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I would, you know, argue with Kelly as yeah. a child and say, this is my song. <laughs> and st- every time I sing it, I still think of that. I me do. Me too. I mean, I just said at the beginning of the podcast that this was one of my favorites. I, I mean, I think that... Having it be such a strong memory from childhood. Right. I mean, picturing us singing, picturing us arguing while the congregation <laughs> was singing. singing, and then just thinking that it's really funny to, right. to look back on it. I, I mean, that's why it's my favorite. Right. You know, of course, I love the words and I love the message, and I think it's so sweet and honest and mm-hmm. pure. It's so like easy and accessible right. and just meant for everyone. Right. But you know, I've had lots of conversations about people and their favorite hymns. Right. You know, and I'm doing the quote marks, their right. favorite songs. And, you know, when we were introducing praise music it, at the church mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of moving out slightly away from hymns, mm-hmm. we still do them, but it's not like every song is a hymn. Right. And people would say, I miss this song. I miss this song. I miss these hymns. And so I would I would engage in conversation with them. All right. Uh-huh. Why do you like this song so much? And what about it is so meaningful to you? Right. And do you know that all the time, the things that were meaningful right. to them was the memory of singing right. it in church with their mother, with their father, with their children. I mean, it's not really about the theology. It's not about the theology. Or the worship. It's and just, so yeah. you don't go to worship on a Sunday morning to like relive old memories. Right. For That's, nostalgia's sake. Right. right. Yeah. So we, I had to have that conversation like, I, oh, I love that this is your favorite hymn, but that doesn't mean we should sing it every right. week. So I think it's interesting to talk to people, to find out why a hymn is their favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it is about just who they sang it with. Yeah. Sometimes it's about a hymn that was a great comfort to them in a, in a difficult 
time in their life. And I think that's why people have their personal devotion time. Yes. And that's why people have their favorite CDs that they listen yes. to. I mean, you can go back and listen to those songs yeah. and sing them on your own and worship with them. And isn't that one of the reasons why we're doing Him Talk, Twin Talk? Yes. Like people yes. can find their favorite and listen to it at any right. time, at any time. And the more I look at other podcasts, I mean, there are lots of podcasts that focus on hymns. Right. Um, not any, no other podcast is quite doing what we're doing. Good. Um, yeah. But if you want to sing hymns, there are hymn right. podcasts out there. Right. Um, I would say if you want to really learn about hymns and dive deep and develop this new love and appreciation for them, then that's what our podcast is. That's what our podcast does. does. Yeah. yeah. So looking at these words, you know, I'm not sure that it's the words that make this our favorite hymn. I mean, I actually can't even sing verse 3 without like chuckling a little bit. I know, verse 3 a little dramatic. Do thy friends despise forsake thee? Right. Like do your friends hate you and leave you? Right. I mean, if the answer is yes, that maybe we need to figure that out. Why? Right. I mean, yes, you can pray about it, but maybe, you know, maybe you need new friends. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, what wouldn't we tell our kids that if if their friends, their so-called friends aren't being nice to them, we, we would, would go find a new friend. Well, and we would say they're not your friend to begin with. I mean, do your yeah. friends despise? And honestly, sometimes I skip that verse in worship. I I'll just would. do verse 1 and 2. Well, actually, I found a fourth verse. You did? Yes, and you know, it's—I didn't find it everywhere. I mean, it's—I I feel like it's either incredibly rare, in, not well known, or hmm. maybe it's been attributed to him, and it's not really by the same author. I mean, maybe. I don't really know. It is. A, it, it does say his name, though. It does. Oh. So this is verse four. So we're going to sing this fourth verse. Okay. Um, it's funny. It still has the words, thou wilt, yeah, which is funny. So it's still old. It still has it's, this uh, you know, old-fashioned language. It's nothing new. But I'm sure for most of our listeners, they've never heard this before. In fact, if you have heard this fourth verse, if this is part <laughs> of your tradition, please let us know. know. I'm curious. I mean, I looked at hundreds of hymnals, right. and I did not see this fourth All verse. All right. Check your hymnals at home and okay. let us know if you have it. All right. All right. Fourth verse, what a friend we have in Jesus. Blessed Savior, Thou hast promised, Thou wilt all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to Thee in earnest prayer. Soon in glory bright unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. All right, so that's really different. It's I mean, really it's, different. It's it's and not a lot of hymns talk about being in heaven and like worshiping. Right. That's so cool. Well, and it's like, you know, here we say this this poem is all about praying, and here in the last verse it's like, yeah, but then you won't need to. Right. Yeah, then it'll be like obsolete right. because now you just talk. I love it. I love um rapture, praise and, and endless, endless worship. worship. Yeah. I love that. So we found this poem, the text mm -hmm. of it was written as a poem, was never intended to be a hymn. No, it was never intended to even be published. Right. Okay, so the guy who wrote this is named Joseph Scriven. He was from Ireland, and he wrote this to his mom. Mm -hmm. He meant to send her some beautiful words of encouragement. He wrote this poem for her. 
All right, let's learn a little bit more about this Joseph Medlicott Scriven. <laughs> and Medlicott was his mother's maiden name. Right. So, th- yeah, I think that's kind of cool. Yep. I mean, do you think they called him Joe or Joey? Joe Med. <laughs> he was born on September 10th, 1819 in C. Patrick County, Down, Ireland. Mm. And he was born from a fairly well-to-do family. He went to Trinity College in Dublin for school. Mm. He was all set to go to military college. He was right. all set to be in the Army. Well, his father was had been a captain in the mm-hmm. British Navy, mm-hmm. and he wanted to follow in his footsteps. Right, but it says that he had poor health, and it forced him to give up that dream. He could not go into the military. And then he became... A teacher, <laughs> which I I laugh a little bit. Yeah, you know, a lot of people there's that stereotype of right. like people become teachers because they can't really do what they want to do or something. Right. Or they can't like follow their passions. Mm, and this poor, poor guy. guy. <laughs> yeah, we actually see that he was a very good teacher. He was a good teacher, and he was a a good person. I mean, he yeah. he really did try to live so so in Christ light. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was engaged to be married. Yeah. Um, and in, this was in 1844. He was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And and it was the night before his wedding, and his fiance died in a drowning accident. Right. Can you imagine? Like the wedding is the next day, right. that morning. I read that it was like a horse and carriage. The horse got spooked by something. He wanted to go that way, mm. and he just dragged her, and there was no way that he, she could get out of it. Ugh. So he was heartbroken, and I think he probably wanted a, a big change of scenery. Right. This a lot of people do this. A new start. New start. So he actually immigrates to Canada, mm-hmm. and he goes to Port Hope, Ontario. Yeah. Which, if I had to just pick a place to I land, know. I mean, I, I think go to Port, Port Hope. Hope yeah. Is exactly where I would want to go. He's teaching there. He's teaching there. He actually gets these jobs as like the personal tutor. Right. So he would work for this wealthy family, and he would tutor the children, mm-hmm. which I think is great. Like I want to do that. <laughs> And so while he's working for this family, he ends up meeting their niece. Right. They got engaged Mm -hmm. and they had planned to be married. Right. And unfortunately, I mean, you would never expect this to happen a second time, but she got sick and died like just a couple of weeks before the wedding. Right. And so he was not able to marry her. And so then what we read about him after this is that, you know, whether he was depressed or Mm -hmm. he had some mental Mm -hmm. health, health issues or he was just really in a long state of grieving. Mm-hmm. He just never recovered. He never worked consistently after that. Nope. He A lot of times he was homeless and like yeah. living with people. Living with friends and yeah. just kind of having these short-term housing arrangements. I did read that he lived with a widow um, oh. in Port Hope, and he lived with her for 22 years at the end of his life, and she needed help. She, her husband's dairy farm business, it would not have stayed running if it weren't for him oh. moving in and helping. Yeah. Um, he ha- basically took this vow of poverty. I know. He's, I read that he wanted to live as much as he could according to the Sermon on the Mount, giving as literally as possible, sharing everything yeah. that, he, that he had, yeah. doing menial tasks for the poor and physically disabled. Right. I mean, this is how he spends his days. Right. And there's a story that um, he would be cutting wood, chopping wood for mm-hmm. families. And if there was a a wealthier family that wanted to hire him to chop the wood, he wouldn't do it. He would it. say no. He absolutely had this line that he would draw, mm-hmm. I am going to work for people who can't afford to pay me. I mean, he was a strong believer. Mm-hmm. He was doing what he thought God wanted him right. to do. Right. He was preaching to people. I mean, he even got arrested for preaching, right? Yes, I found this article from... Uh, 
1880 newspaper from September 2nd, 1880, and quoting from the, the newspaper, it says, A man named Scriven has, for some time past, been in the habit of preaching on Ontario Street near Walkton, yelling and shouting like a good fellow occasionally. This man has become a nuisance, and we appeal to the authorities to remove him. If he must preach, let him take up position in the market square in the afternoon, where he will not be in the way, and where he will not retard anyone from work, which requires to be done in a given time. Mr. Gr- Scribbins may be doing good, but we fail to see it. Mm. Yeah, and they he, I actually read that he was arrested several times. Right, and and I think he just had this reputation of being kind of eccentric. Yep. And so his neighbors, you know, and the people in the time really weren't sure if they should trust him. Right. They just didn't understand his lifestyle. Um, and I do think that this added to his his mental health. You yeah. know, yeah. he was he did not he he did not live happily those last years. Right. Uh, so I did find that he joined a church group of people, and it started in England. England. They were dissatisfied with the Anglican Church. This is early 19th century, and so in England, these independent gatherings just sprang up, and they focused on the teachings of the New Testament and the sacrament of Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. And there was real there was this real emphasis of separating from the world. Right. It's called Plymouth Brethren because of where it started in Plymouth, England. Right. But then it traveled all over the world. So I mean, the church still exists today. The church still exists today. So in Port Hope, Ontario, he comes into contact and he comes into community with these Plymouth Brethren. Um, I did a little bit of digging on them. They have a lot of cool things that they do. Mm. Church meetings are held every day. Wow. But it says you come when you are able. Right. So it's, I mean, I think it's reasonable and accepting of the fact that people may not be able to go mm-hmm. every day. Um, there's no formal hierarchical structure. Right. So no, like, bishops or, Right. You know. There's no paid clergy. So part of their dissatisfaction with the Anglican Church was, I think, right. this ecclesiastical arrangement. And mm-hmm. then, so they focus more on the individual's direct relationship with God. And so everybody has their own gifts. So if you are gifted to preach... You can preach, right. which I'm sure right. Scriven preached right. with the Plymouth Brethren. Mm-hmm. One thing that I thought was interesting was they do live and work in the community, in the town with everybody else. But all of their social events and social activities are only with the other Plymouth Brethren. Mm. They said that they make a commitment to eat and drink only with those with whom we would celebrate the Lord's Supper. The men don't wear ties. Why? Because they want to separate themselves from other churchgoers. It's Uh, really this separation. And they say they're not separated because they think they're any better. Okay. It's just that they're separated because they're called to be different. Mm. So he was with the Plymouth Brethren in Port Hope, Ontario. And he was living very meagerly, giving everything that he had. Yep. Yep. Now, a familiar sight in Port Hope was him. He was a big man (laughs) with bushy white hair and a full white beard. Wow. And he would Santa. Santa. (laughs) And he would carry his buck saw, offering to cut wood for anyone who was unable to cut his own. Unfortunately, he did die in 1886. Mm -hmm. He was 67 years old. Mm -hmm. It says that he died in Rice Lake, Ontario, Canada. And when you dug a little bit into that, he actually drowned in Rice Lake. And, you know, given his mental health at the time, it is unclear whether the drowning was intentional or not. You know, was it an accident or did he mean for it to happen? We don't know. Now, he was buried in a cemetery in Port Hope, mm-hmm. and it was an unmarked grave for many years. A pilgrimage of clergymen visited the grave. They joined hands around it and sang the hymn to celebrate 
the hundred years after his birth. Mm. Under the leadership of Reverend Lee of the Millbrook Presbyterian Church, the Joseph Scribbin Memorial Committee was formed to erect a monument in his memory. Nice. There's a huge white granite monument. It stands 13 feet high. It overlooks the shining waters of Rice Lake, and the words of the hymn are inscribed. It was dedicated on May 24th, 1920. 6,000 people gathered, including, here's a fun fact, including the premier of Ontario. So this is like the absolute head of Ontario's government. And in his speech, he said... He did not build a railway or amass a fortune, but he did more than that. He contributed a thought that will outlive railroads and fortunes. It will go on enriching the lives of people when other things of material nature have crumbled and perished. The whole cemetery, including the Scriven Memorial, was later dedicated as a place of historical importance in 1964. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, is that wow. a road trip? Are we going to yeah, Ontario? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> this is your captain speaking. We could drive there, right? Though yeah, we don't have to take a so. plane. I think so. Yeah. I mean, this premier of Ontario yeah. said that it would outlast, like, railroads. Yeah. I mean, here we are. It's been 100 years. Yeah. That was in 1919. Right. Here we are in 2021. Thanks for the update on the calendar. <laughs> if you guys were unclear about what the day was, it's 2021. Yes, I mean, I mean he was right. He was right. He was right. He was right. And it's not like this man did a whole lot of else in, in, the, no. in the hymnal world. No, he you know? really didn't. He really didn't. And this hymn has stood the test of time, even when we, like, tease it and make fun of it for, you right. know, having weird words. Well, yeah. you know what's amazing to me about this hymn? Scriven, in his lifetime, didn't even know that it was a popular hymn. Right. So the first time we see the written words of the poem, Pray Without Ceasing, is 1855. Mm -hmm. And it's just the words, no music. And he sends it to his mom to to help her go through a difficult time in her life. That's it. It's from son to mom. That's it. I mean, I think she might have been having problems with her friends. (laughs) (laughs) Mom, do your friends despise you? (laughs) Mom. So she actually sends the poem to a couple of her friends. Mm-hmm. It gets published in England, in Ireland, as a poem. Mm-hmm. And at some point, someone sees it, and it gets put to music. Right. Ira Sankey mm. finds it. Now, yep. we think he found it in a little pamphlet that in Richmond, Virginia. And he decides to add it to his hymnal. He publishes it in 1875, and it was in the hymnal called Gospel Songs. Now, Nobody knew who wrote these words. Right. So he ends up giving credit to this Horatius Bonar, mm-hmm. who's a Scottish preacher and poet. And then, of course, Charles Converse has the music. Now, Bonar later said that he never wrote it. Oh, my gosh. And his name was taken off. They don't know that it's Scriven until after Scriven dies. Oh, my gosh. So finally, in the year 1887... It has Scriven's name for the first time, and it's Ira Sankey's Gospel Hymns Number 5. Aww. Now, the story is that um, he wasn't doing well. Scriven was in his house. He, he had failing health, and his good friend James Sackville was there. I think that James Sackville was was there to visit and help. I imagine he probably cleaned up a little or brought food, right. was neaten, neatening up his house, and in his house, he found the paper right. with the words With on the it. original words. Mm-hmm. Until that point, 
Nobody knew right. that he had been a poet. Nobody knew right. that he had this gift of words. Right. Um, I read that he said, did you write this? He replied, the Lord and I did it between us. Right. Which we hear that from so many hymn writers that, you know, God helped right. them write it. But he had never, he had no intention of anyone seeing it. It was right. just for his mother. Right. So this friend, James Sackville, sent the a copy mm-hmm. of the manuscript and sent it to his friend who was a Methodist hypnologist. Mm-hmm. Um and that's sort of how it all came right. up to be true. You know, and after that point, 1887, now we know that he is actually the poet. So now it's time to talk about where this music came from. Right. You said it earlier that this wasn't the tune that was always with it. Right. Which well, is amazing. It, this happens a lot with hymnals right. in hymn books. They they find the words and they just put it with a different tune. Right. And I, I don't even know how much like thought went to it. Oh, it matches. It fits the syllables. Go ahead. Throw it in. But here we are 100 years later and really analyzing it and going, oh, you know, is this a good marriage of text to music? Does mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. match? This one is the one that has stood the test of time. Yeah. But I found two others. I read that hymnologists like this tune better. Why? Prefer this tune. They think that it matches the words a little bit better. Okay. So do you want to sing a little bit yeah, of this yeah, one? Yeah. Okay. What a friend we have in Jesus with this tune called Beach Spring. Yes. Which okay. Carrie struggles when we do this. So I, let's see. I if always we can have a hard time. Okay. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What do you think? I mean, I just think it's too hard. I mean, don't you hear the other song? No, I love this one. All I hear is the other words. I love this one. No, I hear... Come ye Christians oh, right. to your table. Mm-hmm. Like I hear the other one, so I don't think I could ever hear what a friend we have in Jesus. Yeah. Like I don't think it would ever fit for me. Oh my I really loved that one. Really? All, All right, right, let's so do another one. There's one more. There's one more. We'll do verse two for this one. So the the cool thing for for anyone who wants to like study the music is what a friend we have in Jesus is in the time signature. Four four. Mm-hmm. This beach spring that we just sang that matched it perfectly mm-hmm. is three four. Okay. And the next one that we have, which is Annie Lowry, and it's a Celtic folk tune, mm-hmm. is in twelve eight. M and always fun. <laughs> so this is the time signature. I mean, those are all. Three, very different. And that doesn't happen often no. with tunes. Usually no. the tune is the same time signature because you're using the same like rhyme pattern. Right. But no, we went from 4-4 four, four to 3-4, which is very different. Mm-hmm. And now 12-8, which is not as different from 4-4 four, four as right. you would think. But it has a very different yeah. feel. And it is not an easy one to sing. No, we're going to try it for you. <laughs> we're going to lower the key a little bit. <laughs> Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. 
Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Totally different. I mean, all three are so different, Carrie. And the, I, I mean, I love that one. And I don't know if it's because we it, we heard that it was a Celtic melody, but I feel like I want like a pan flute to play that melody. I don't know. I feel like I want to jazz it up. Oh I no! Has, I, oh, I think so it funny. can have like this swing cr- quality to it. Look at the chords. I know. Look, yeah. at, there's some there's some harmonies here. Yeah. I think we should. I think we should totally record this on the piano and like share it on our social media. Okay. So people can hear the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Twelve eight. The tune name is Annie Lowry. And it just says that it's traditional Celtic tunes. We don't know who wrote it. Amazing. Amazing. So I feel like that tune gives the song just a little bit more hope, like it's hopeful and lilting. It doesn't sound sad. It doesn't sound like, do your friends despise you? You know, I think that the tune really does change the feel of the hymn. But the converse tune is way more singable. Yes. I mean, it sounds like it could be a prayer. Like... So the thing with the Converse tune is that it's so simple. Right. The first line, second line, and fourth line are almost exactly the same. M&M's, always fun. They're not uh, repeats, but they're really, really similar. similar. The first measure is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a privilege to carry. All because we do not carry. Same thing three times. But, you know, this is the gospel song. I mean, we, we, just, right. we talked about Ira Sankey. He right. was the great song leader of D.L. Moody. The right. two of them were partners in these evangelistic meetings all over the mm-hmm. world. Ira Sankey ushered in the gospel right. song era. He's the one who made popular, like, the verse-chorus mm-hmm. format. He wanted to have songs that were going to be easy to learn. Mm-hmm. So who is this Charles Converse? So Charles was born October 7th, 1832 in Warren, Massachusetts. Wow, that's nice and close to I us. know. So I had to like look up where Warren is. So it's in Worcester County. Okay. So it's not like really close to us. And guess what? He was born in 1832. Okay. And the town of Warren wasn't established till 1834. Oh, So, Carrie, this is a mystery. I mean, it might not be the greatest hymnological mystery of all time, (laughs) but I really dug around to try to get to the bottom of this, and I couldn't figure it out. Well, I mean, is it possible that whatever source is saying Warren, they just know that it's that area, and it didn't become a town until two years later? It could be, but before... 1834, Mm -hmm. the town was called Western Massachusetts, W-E-S-T-E-R-N. Okay. And they had decided that they couldn't keep that name. It was confusing. Yeah, Western Mass. Right. I would go all the way out to the Berkshires. And with our Massachusetts, New England accents, it was also confused with Weston. Weston, right. W-E-S-T-O-N. So they decided in 1834 to change it to Warren. Okay. But before 1834, there were two other Warrens. There was a Warren, Massachusetts, which is now located in Rhode Island. So if he was born in the Warren, Massachusetts of before 1834, then it wasn't Massachusetts. It was Rhode Island. Right. And there was a Warren, Massachusetts, Uh which is now Warren, Maine. So 
if they are naming a war in Massachusetts before 1834, it could be the one in Rhode Island and it could be the one in Maine. But I don't think it's the Warren from Massachusetts that we know because it didn't exist. Right. So that means he probably wasn't from Massachusetts. I know. Oh, well. Oh, well. But he was a very smart man. He went to Leipzig, Germany nice. to, study to study law wow. and philosophy and music theory and composition. And when you re- read up on this guy, I mean, all that you hear about is his lawyering. He was a very well-to-do lawyer and he like did music on the side. He didn't have a big career in the church at all. He composed like a Turkish battle polka. Right, right. He wrote a new method for the guitar. Oh. You know, and he wrote a big cantata. He was offered a, a DM degree for his Psalm 26 cantata, but he declined the offer. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I have kind of a fun fact about him. All right. Let's hear it. Have you ever heard of the word thon? Yes, Carrie, I read this too. T-H-O-N. Yes. So he came up with this new word, thon. It was a pronoun of the third person, common gender, just Mm -hmm. to mean that one or it. So when you wanted to talk in third person and you didn't want to say he or she or they, you could say, or it, you could say thon. Thon. (laughs) Now, it was included in the Funk and Wagnalls Dictionary in the 19th and 20th centuries. Mm -hmm. In 1934, it appeared in Webster's, Merriam-Webster's. And it was dropped in 1961. Wow. Yeah. If you find that you have need of a third person gender neutral pronoun, why don't you try using the words that we described as well established in speech and writing? These words should just be they, their, and them. Mm -hmm. And that's what the dictionary had said. Now, this tune that he wrote that we love. Love. I mean, we know this tune. It's usually called Converse. So that's the name of the tune. But it's also been called Eerie. Right, because he lived in Erie, Pennsylvania. And it's also been known as Friendship. Friendship. Which yeah. makes sense for the title. Yeah, so Charles Converse, I mean, he just found these beautiful words written by Scriven and and had to come up with something for them. And we're so glad he did. Right. So I thought it was really cool that mm-hmm. he sometimes used pseudonyms too. Yes. Which we have heard that before. But his name was Converse. And he used the pen name C.O. Nevers. Okay. And E.C. Revens. So what do you think of those? Yeah, I mean, he's just scrambling his letters. What's that called? An anagram? Anagram, yeah. Yeah. And I thought that was so funny. So I thought that maybe you and I should create anagrams for ourselves. Okay. So instead of Carrie Frazier, we can call you Sir Rear Freak. Come on. <laughs> Sir Rear Freak. That's Carrie Frazier. Okay, what's yours? Mine is Pete Carrion Lula. <laughs> so you're Sir Rear Freak. Okay. I'm not, though. <laughs> How long um, did it take you to come up with this? Well, it didn't take me long at all. And I think if I tried harder, it would be better. <laughs> <laughs> so I also saw that his one of his pseudonyms was um, Carl Revan. Yes. Yeah. Well, and so... In lots of hymnals, we actually see Revan, R-E-V-E-N. Okay. But that was probably based on E.C. Revens, which is Converse spelled, you know. Yeah. That's so funny. So now, I mean, Carrie, this brings us to this concept of being a friend of Jesus, you know. Now, this hymn is so special and meaningful to so many people, so they probably are fine with it. Right. But the concept of having Jesus as a friend, people don't like that. They think he's our savior. He's our king. He's right. not our friend. So I I think probably the biggest instance in 
the Bible is when the night before his death, Jesus gathers his disciples and he says to them, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends Mm -hmm. for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. This is John 15. And like I said, it's, it's when he's talking to his disciples before his death. Now, you just have to believe that he's being 100% sincere. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, a master doesn't tell his servants what right. he's doing, they right? Do, they don't need to know anything. But Jesus reveals the Lord's will to them. Right. And he promises that his spirit will be there for the future mm-hmm. so that all disciples would know these words. Yeah. So even just those words right there kind of give the message that Jesus, we should consider Jesus a friend. Right. But then the second one is... That well-known scripture verse that is quoted often. Yeah. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. What does the Bible (laughs) say? Yeah, great. That's a great scripture verse. That love, showing us the love that Jesus has for us. And he calls us friends. Right. And, you know, we talk about the love of a parent to a child. Mm -hmm. You know, God, the father, he loves us as his children. Mm -hmm. But I have heard from a lot of people that they don't love that concept of father or it doesn't connect to them because they didn't really maybe have a good relationship with their father. And that father relationship, it's hard for them to really comprehend because they have nothing on earth that's like it. And so maybe this concept of a friend is just a more accessible relationship. Right. I mean, I mean, who's your best friend? Would you die for that person? Right. Who's your best friend, Carrie? <laughs> you have to tell us now. I mean, you are. Of course. Of course. If you didn't say me, I would be so mad. Of course. Yes. You know, we, we, we're two very close friends. So hearing the concept of, you know, loving a friend mm-hmm. that you would be willing to mm-hmm. give your life for them, that makes sense to us. Right. Of course, it makes sense for a father, too, I think. Right. Yeah. Well, and why can't they just both be true? Right. I mean, Jesus is our king and he is our friend. He is our truest friend. Mm-hmm. It doesn't minimize his glory. It magnifies it. Only grace explains that right. we have this sovereign king, but also welcomes sinners Mm -hmm. as his friends. And, you know, that brings me back to the to the to the song, because the opening line, I think, is so important. And I think we just sing it without really getting it. Yeah. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. Like he is bearing our sins and our griefs. We don't have a friend on earth who would do that. Do that. Right. Right. So this this friendship is about sacrifice, Mm -hmm. giving your life for your friends. Mm -hmm. It's also about like bringing them into a place of confidence. You know, he's telling us something that a a master wouldn't tell his servant. Um, And it's also about obeying him. In John 15, 14, this is right in the same passage, you know, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus is telling us to obey him. We never turn around and say, obey us. No, and we never say to our friends that they need to obey right. us either. I mean, it's definitely a different relationship. Right. And he doesn't say, if you obey me, you are my friends. Mm-hmm. He says, you are my friends if you obey me. Right. You know, the friendship is first. You are my friends. Right. So, you know, if someone doesn't know Jesus as their friend yet, right. how do how do we get that to happen? Well, and it's this intimate relationship that mm-hmm. Jesus wants with us right. that I think a lot of people miss. It's not just like going to church on Sunday. It's not just, um, right. you know, just reading your Bible. It's really about 
like communing with him every day. Right. What you would do with a real friend. Right. You know, you would have that relationship, that ongoing relationship. And that's what Jesus wants from us. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us to pray to him. He wants us to confess our sins and share our burdens. And we do this as friends, not like as servants doing the duty that, you know, was told for us to do. Right. And of course, just like that Bible verse said, we obey him. Yeah. Well, we try. We, You know, we try. And even when we fail, he is still loves us. He still he'll never turn his back on us. Right. Now it's funny because we when do we see this word friend in the Bible? Like who are friends in the Bible? We talked about Jesus was friends with his disciples, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and the disciples were friends with each other. Right, right. So they were friends. Um, I, I found a really good example in James, actually, talking about Abraham of the Old Testament. James 2, 23, um, God calls Abraham his friend. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Abraham met the condition of friendship with God. God said of him, Abraham obeyed my voice, kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Mm. He was a friend of God. And then a little bit later in the Old Testament, we come to King David. King David did all that God had commanded him. He was God's friend. In Acts 13, God said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And a true friend is always faithful. David yep. knew the faithfulness of God. In yep. the Psalms, he wrote, your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. God was always faithful to David. I mean, he made him the great king over yep. Israel, and he gave him victory over his enemies, and he saved him time and time again. I mean, God will be faithful to his friends. Mm. And the thing that is awesome is that God talks to us back. It is right. not a one-way street. You know, we are supposed to talk with him and converse with him, but he will talk back to us. He says a master doesn't tell the servants what he's doing, but he's told us God's plan. He's brought us into his confidence, and now we know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So in that case, is this song about friendship or is it about prayer? Like, which is it? Well, I think it's about that constant communication. Yes, me too. It's about constantly communicating. And, I, you know, I read somewhere there was something like if you, you pray so much— that you, it doesn't even feel like praying anymore. Mm. You are just conversing. Mm-hmm. You are just talking right. to God. And then in that light, doesn't that third verse about your friends despising and forsaking you maybe make a little bit more sense? Right. Because Jesus is your ultimate friend. Right. He's never going to despise or forsake you. He is the friend that you should be seeking out. Right. So and how do you seek him out? Through prayer. Through prayer. I mean, it's a beautiful hymn. We all know that I love this hymn. Right. <laughs> it's definitely one of our favorites. Right. From right back to childhood. And when we sing it, we sing it kind of the way it's always been sung. Yeah. We kind of sing it in a boring. Right. Right. <laughs> boring, just hymn way. Traditional way. But we found an awesome arrangement yeah. of it. I mean, you guys, this guy sings like from his heart. It's yeah. just like he's pouring out his soul in this song. Yeah. And you I are going to love just it. Just sit back, close your eyes, yes. let the music kind of wash over you. Oh. What a friend we have in Jesus, I sung mean, by Donovan Henry. Yes. I mean, he has Jesus as a friend. You know it. For sure. Yeah. And he is singing all about it right now. All right. Listen up. What a friend we have in Jesus 
our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to
You're gonna find a solace there You'll find a friend who will stick closer than a brother Yeah You will find a solace there Henry and we found him on YouTube you guys right, and he's on Twitter he's on LinkedIn he's everywhere we're gonna share all his information he's a singer he's a songwriter and a Ugh. producer he plays the piano I just want him to keep making music yeah yeah now Jesus gave his life for us and that's the kind of sacrifice that he's mm-hmm. looking back for so I'm gonna leave you with Matthew 16 25 he says whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake mm-hmm. will find it. This is the kind of friend that he is. This is the loyalty he expects of us. And we can call ourselves friends. Mm. I hope that not only did you learn a little bit about the about the hymn today, right. but you really learned a little bit about Jesus and the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yep, we'll see we'll, you next time. We'll see you next time. We'll figure out which hymn we're going to do on Hymn Talk. Talk. Twin Twin talk. talk. Bye. Keep singing.